Nehemiah chapter 2. And this evening we're going to be looking at verses 9 to 20 of Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, the book of Nehemiah, takes place nearly a hundred years after God's people have returned from exile. Nearly 100 years have passed of building, sometimes that building stopped, of both temple and the walls. Now Nehemiah is coming to Jerusalem after hearing reports that the walls, that the city of God is in trouble. And in our text we'll see in a moment, Nehemiah is going to have the question answered, is it really as bad as the reports were telling him in Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah is a wise leader. He seeks to examine the claims that he had heard, the things that made him weep in prayer before God. So let us think here this evening, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what can we learn from this this evening? What can it teach us about the restoration of the city of God today? About the building up of the kingdom of God today? And what Nehemiah demonstrates that we need for this work. So Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 9 to 20, let us hear God's Holy word. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly. That someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So I went to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I rose in the night, I and a few men with me. And I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me, but the one on which I rode. I went out by night, by the valley gate to the dragon spring and to the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool and there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall And I turned back and entered by the valley gate, and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins, With its gates burned, come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God, that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me, 
And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, The God of heaven will make us prosper, and we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Our preaching will be on that section of God's holy word from Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9, down to the end of the chapter. If something breaks in our home, one of the first things we want to do is call somebody who knows how to fix it. I don't know about you, but I get nervous whenever I have to do certain DIY work. And why is that? Why do I get nervous? Why do some people probably even here get nervous about doing DIY work? We're afraid that we're going to make a bigger mess than is already there. Because we don't know what is needed for the work. We've not been trained We don't have the skills in those certain areas. That might be a broken door, a lock, plumbing. We don't want to make a mess. And this can be scary if you don't know what is needed for the work. But for many of us who are trained in these areas, and who may know exactly what is needed to be done, it's not at all scary. They've done it many times before. They've probably been trained by someone special in their life who has instructed them at some stage in the past. And taught them exactly what is needed to succeed or do what is needed for the work. I can think back to my time in childhood. I wasn't a particularly good student for the first few years in primary school. But there was one teacher who took a keen interest in helping me. I was particularly bad in math. It wasn't because I couldn't do it. I was just particularly lazy and very distractible. But She taught me, Mrs. Lucy was her name, I still remember many years later, she taught me what was needed for the work. She taught me what was needed to be a better student at math. Things I've never forgotten to this day, nearly 30 years later, and I still remember her. Why is that important? Because of the importance of knowing what is needed for the work And with that teacher, we have an even more important teacher here, Nehemiah. Nehemiah, a great leader, great example, someone who knew exactly what was needed for the work. And we would do well, dear friends, we would do well as believers in Jesus Christ to learn of his work, of how he sought To restore, to build up, to bring back Jerusalem to where it needed to be, God's city. To no longer be a reproach to the nations, to be what it was meant to be, a light to the nations. 
So the first point we're going to look at here this evening is number one, what is needed? Well, the first thing that is needed is strength. Strength is needed. Strength is needed. Verses 9 down to verse 10. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river, and I gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite officially, official heard of it. They were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Without strength, we cannot do anything, can we? And Nehemiah has been sent with these letters from the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes, the most powerful ruler upon the earth at that time. And what were these letters? What were these letters giving to Nehemiah? Verse 7 says this, Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, that the letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river, that they must permit me to pass through. These were letters of authority. These were letters of permission. These were giving him the authority to be able to pass through, to do what was needed in the work. Letters of power. And Nehemiah was coming to them in a position of strength. From a position of power. Here Nehemiah goes out with the strength, the power of the Persian Empire behind him. And he doesn't just have that. He has the king of glory behind him. Nehemiah also points out that it is the king grants this to him at the end of verse 8. Because of the good hand of God being upon him. He doesn't just go out with the, with the strength of the Persian Empire. He goes out with the strength of the King of Glory. Because it was through him that his prayers were answered in the first place. This is needed because opposition he was going to face. We see the Tobiah and Sambalat. This opposition would come up. Perhaps you could think of it this way. It's often said that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Now whether you agree with that or not. I know some people like to skip breakfast. But why? Why do we say that? Why do so many people believe that? What happens if you go to work and you haven't eaten? Can you perform well? Children, if you haven't had your breakfast in the morning and you're going to school, are you going to be able to listen to the teacher for very long? Can you do challenging work if you're doing heavy manual labor? You won't be able to. Because you won't have the strength to do the work. And if you're coming... To this challenge, the challenge of the work needed in the kingdom of God, you need strength. Strength, not just physical strength, but strength from on high. Strength from the king of glory. Strength from the one with all authority. Strength that doesn't come from you. And isn't that wonderful? If it was strength that came from us, we'd fail. 
If, if it's just strength that we build up in our own selves, we will fall time and time again. We don't have the strength to do it, to prosper. But as Nehemiah goes out in the power and the strength of God, he's able to do what is needed. And he's able to go to the place where God wants him to go. What about when we go out to do the work of the kingdom of God? To build up the kingdom of God. And that can be in various different ways. That can be adding new building blocks. That can be adding new Christians perhaps. Or it can be other things. It can be truths. That we teach the next generation. That they trust in. And they believe in. And that they pass on to the next generation after them. When we seek to restore, to build up, and add to God's city, when we seek to add through the sharing of the gospel, through teaching, and dear friends, this is what we're doing here, among the people of God, among brothers and sisters, side by side together, being built up with the preaching of the word of truth, this is the building up of the city of God. What authority and power do we have in these things, in this work? We have an authority and power far greater than any ruler upon the face of this earth at this current time. Far greater than Arxaxerxes. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20 says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority... Has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. Even to the end of time. I am with you. Jesus says to his disciples... He says, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. And this, dear friends, is what gives us strength. This is what, this commission, we we don't go alone. When When we share the gospel with someone who doesn't know the gospel, we're not alone. We have Christ with us. And not only just Christ, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As believers in Jesus Christ, as believers in Jesus Christ, you're not alone. He's with you to the end of time. So we need strength, strength from on high, strength from above. Supernatural strength, you could say. But we also need study. Study. Number two now. Study. Nehemiah goes out in in the strength and the might of the Persians. uh, With God in control of all these things. Controlling and ordaining all these things. But what is needed for the work? First of all, examination is going to be needed for the work. Before he can go to God's people and tell them what is needed. Uh, Nehemiah Nehemiah 1 verse 3 is told how bad things are. 
But he needs to see it for himself. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3, it says this. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity and the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. The situation is pretty grim. This is what he hears. This is what he is told. But even then, he still needs to examine this for himself. If we see verse 11 of chapter 2, it says this. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night and I and a few men with me and I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate at the serpent well and the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem. Or another way of saying that is I examined and examined the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down. And he also talks about how he went to the fountain gate and the king's pool. And in verse 15 says, So I went up by the night, by the valley, and viewed the wall. Examined the wall. It's really important for Nehemiah, before he tells anyone else, he does this fairly secretly. He almost like brings as few people as possible with him. Uh, He just brings one animal with him. He needs to study the issue for himself. He's not just taking at face value what he has heard. He needs to see what is the extent of the problem before he can go to God's people to tell them what is needed to be done. This is wise leadership, isn't it? It's often talked about how Nehemiah is a wise and gifted leader. And this is a place where we see this. He doesn't just go on the reports of others. It's important to factor that in, of course. But he examines it for himself and studies the issue for himself. Nehemiah is not a rash leader. He doesn't just burst in and soon just grab the Jews and just say, here's what you need to do. He's not only a man of prayer, but he's one that seeks Carefully to examine the problem before going to the people of God. Now, the problems of the wall, these are not just physical problems. Sometimes a building will come down and crumble. Sometimes there will be trouble. Sometimes there might even be vandalism of a building and things like this will happen. But the... the, The damage and the state of the wall and the state of the kingdom and the state of the city here are not just some random acts. They're clearly linked with sin. They're clearly a picture of the state of the church. They they have been linked in Nehemiah chapter 1 a number of times with covenant breaking. Covenant curses been brought on God's people with curses that go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 26. Warnings time and time again. But if they turned from God, these kinds of things would happen. We'll give you two verses from Leviticus 26. Verse 33. I will scatter you among the nations and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste Also in Leviticus 26, verse 39, And those of you who are left shall waste away in their iniquity 
in your enemies' hands, also in their father's iniquities, which are with them, they shall waste away. So Nehemiah, we saw earlier in, in our first sermon on this series, he links the, the, the condition of the wall to sin. That is the problem here. And Nehemiah goes to examine the extent of the damage. Really the, the, the spiritual decline in the city of God. And dear believers in Christ, um, without knowing what the church is meant to be, without knowing what the problems are, how can we seek restoration? A builder cannot know what to do in a building unless he knows where the problems are. And without that knowledge, without knowing what the church is meant to be in the world, it cannot know how it needs to change. And of course, yes, the church is never perfect. Even our, our, our confession of faith tells us that. The purest churches under heaven are subject to mixture and error. doesn't matter how good they are, they'll be subject to mixture and error. But at the same time, we are to strive for that perfect standard, knowing we will fail. But we strive for it, all the same. The, the men of the Reformation, during the 16th and the 17th centuries, were both men of study and holiness. It wasn't one or the other. Men who loved God humbly, but also men who studied deeply. Study the problems of the day. Why things were the way they were. They wanted to know how reform was possible. Where the church had gone wrong. They worked hard to understand why the church was in such disarray. And as one author put it like this. The reformers combined deep study with active ministry. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we must all be students of the word. We must all be students of what is needed and what we are to be like. And some of us will need to study deeper than others. Lord willing, you'll be electing elders soon by God's grace. And elders will need to drink from that fountain more deeply. Because of the enormity of the role and the, the, the wisdom that will be needed and the shepherding that will be needed for God's people. But all God's people need to study and drink deeply from the word of truth. To see what the city of God is to be. Is it to be a reproach? Is it to be a shame to the nations? Is it to be basically an embarrassment? Not at all. The church, the city of God, is to be a light unto the nations, pointing towards Christ. A light in the sense of reflecting the light of Christ. It says in Isaiah 49, verse 6, indeed, he says, it is, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to rise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, a light to the nations, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. And without studying, 
without examination, especially from the scriptures, we can think everything is fine. There's always areas, no matter how good the church we're a part of, there's always areas to grow, there's always areas of improvement. That we may glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So we've looked at study, and we, we previously looked at strength, and we're now going to look at sight. Sight. Sight is needed. We need our eyes opened. Now, I say this here because the, the temptation is this. If you just study harder, if we just fill our minds with as much information, things will get better. There's a danger in that too, my friends. In verse 15, it says this. So I went up in the, in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned Nehemiah could not do this without eyes. Eyes to see and ears to hear. No matter how much we study, no matter how much how many books we read, and it's great to read books and to, to learn and to grow, but there's a danger to think this. The more, the more I study, the more godly I am. Not necessarily the more changed and the more conformed into the image of Christ you are. That is how godly you are. It is not how many, it's not the size of our libraries. It is, you could say, the size of our hearts toward God. In order to examine the problems that are being talked about here, spiritual problems in the church, Spiritual problems to grow by. The work that is needed to be done for restoration. We need sight. We need our eyes opened. Because we, it's very easy just to think, well, nothing is perfect. Nothing is perfect. It's not a hill to die on. And we can become very complacent in the life of the kingdom. Now, this can be for many different reasons. It can be, and I say can, it can be for this reason. It can be for a lack of maturity. It may be because of a lack of growth. It may even be a lack of knowledge, as we talked about earlier. And younger believers will often see less than older believers. But I say this trembling, it can also mean blindness. We can be blind to the problems. The church in our day is going more and more like the world. And it's harder and harder to distinguish one from the other. And when we become indifferent, it can be because of many different reasons, but it can be because of blindness. We need Sight. We need our eyes open. We need to be born again of the Spirit of God. We need a new heart. We need to be made new in Christ Jesus. Jesus said to Nicodemus, a teacher in Israel in the first century, well versed in the scriptures in one sense, but he said this to him. Jesus answered and said to him, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, or born from on high, or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And if you are not born again without spiritual eyesight, will not desire to be like Christ. You won't desire for the church, for the, for the city of God to be like Christ. And you may look around, the walls are burning, and be quite content for it to be so. We all fail. We all fail. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every single last one of us. When we see sin, it hurts us. When we see the consequences of sin, it hurts us. It grieves us. It pierces us. And I talk to you now as not as somebody who may be struggling with sin in an area. I pray not to crush your spirit in any way, sense, or form. But I say this out of love to warn you don't be comfortable in your sin. Don't be comfortable in this age in which sin is becoming more common. It is serious. But if you, when you sin, you you feel horrible and you're miserable when you do fall into sin and it pierces you too. And this is a sign that you are indeed born again if you are looking to Christ and to Christ alone. A true Christian sees the beauty of Christ and hates Not only the sin of the world, but hates his own sin. Number four now, we're going to look at service. Service. So we've looked at strength, study, sight. Now we're going to look at service. Nehemiah is now aware of the situation. He's examined the walls. It's very clear to see. He has not only physicalized, he has spiritualized to see the problem and where the solution is to this problem. He's examined it for himself and he knows what is needed. Verses 16 to 18. Verses 16 to 18 of chapter 2. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. And also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their, heart, their hands to this good work. Nehemiah points out the problem to God's people. He's examined it for himself. He sees the problem. And he calls them to restoration. He calls them to service. He calls them to work. Uh, he calls them to build up the defenses of the city of God. He tells them, as he tells them this, he doesn't just tell them, here are all the things you're doing wrong. Come on, you gotta, let's, let's get going. He tells them encouraging words, doesn't he? If we see this here, he tells them encouraging words from the king of Persia. He tells them that the king of Persia has sent him. 
says in verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. And also, what's more encouraging, the hand of God upon it. Upon this work. Upon him being there in the first place, Nehemiah sees it as the sovereign hand of God. So, this is not just Nehemiah going up to them and say, what are you doing here? Come on, lads. This is how we probably say it on Cork. But, come on, what are you doing? Just giving out to him. He comes with words of encouragement. God's hand is at work here. He has sent me here. And there's also other things that we should be encouraged by. I say this because I am convinced more and more the longer I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I bet you see this more and more as you're a believer in Jesus Christ as well. The more God's people are showing a problem... Clearly from the scriptures. With an example of how God is at work. How he was moving among them. You will often be amazed. And blown away. By how God's people respond. How God's people hear the voice of the shepherd. They will serve just like Christ. I say this largely of many views I held years ago. It is easy to complain. It is easy to complain what is not happening. None of us are perfect. We all fall short. It's easy to complain over the last two years. How many churches have suffered division over the last two years? It has made it much easier to complain about everyone and everything and yes mistakes have been made and myself included lessons must be learned but let us think positively about restoring the church as a light to the nations where that light has become dimmer now in my short time here in Lisbon I've seen many Examples, many examples of people who wish to serve, happy to serve. And I do not want to give the impression that there's no service taking place here. That would not be true. Dear Christian friends, I have been challenged greatly while being here. Challenged by your love and your example by many. But with all that said, there's still much to do. Some, many are serving, but perhaps not all. Perhaps not all are using their gifts and their talents and their gifts. There will be people in every church who have gifts by God and do not use it for various different reasons. Something is holding them back. It may be pride. It may be as simple as going to another person in Christ and saying, I forgive you. There are many different reasons why this can be happening. But could you be one of them here this evening? 
You may be thinking, well, the elders are doing all that. I got, they got that covered. I don't need to serve in that area. Or the deacons have that covered. But can you serve in another way? And that can be visiting a lonely person. It can be giving a lift to somebody who doesn't, can't get to church. It can be teaching Sabbath school. It might even be making the tea. Or it might be making people feel welcome when they come visiting, getting their name Finding out that they want to be visited. Loads of things can be done. It's easy to complain. Of what is not happening in the church. There's loads of things not happening in the church. I could list my faults. And they'd make several books. But let us serve. Responding to the voice of the shepherd. To serve him positively. Positively in what is needed to be done. Nehemiah says, come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be reproached. There is problems there that cannot be ignored. But let us go and build so these things are no longer the case. Following the shepherd. The truth that we hear doesn't just enter into our heads. It enters into our hearts and also Enters into our hands. So service. The last point we're going to look at is solidarity. Solidarity. So we've looked at strength, study, sight, service. And last, number five, solidarity. This work is far from easy. And this is not work to be done alone. As an island. It says in verses 19 and 20. But when Sanballat... The Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, official and Geshem the Arab heard of it. They laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you will have no heritage or right or or memorial in Jerusalem. Our service in Christ will meet opposition. It will meet challenge. It will meet ridicule. It will meet people who don't understand it. It will meet slander. There's lies here. And they're, they're not c- completely false sounding. They, they are based upon things that happened in the past. There will be ridicule. There will be mocking. Which is why we need to serve together. Side by side as brothers and sisters. Serving the same king. In the same army. Solidarity means this agreement between and support from members of a group. Nehemiah doesn't just say, the God of heaven himself will prosper me. He will prosper us. He doesn't just say, I will go up and build and these guys will follow on behind. No. Therefore, we, his servants, we, his servants, will arise and build. And then he makes a clear distinction between them 
and those in opposition to the work of God. When Christ, when the body of Christ is mocked, when our brothers and sisters in Christ suffer around the world, we suffer. When brothers are slandered for the work of the gospel, we feel their pain. And when that happens, Christ is mocked. We suffer and we identify with them. We support them in whatever way we can. We support them in our prayers. And as we should think in these days of the Christians in Ukraine, but not only just Ukraine, in Russia, there are Christians suffering in Australia today. There are Christians suffering in Canada, various countries around the world that don't get the airtime as much as some other countries do. But we should pray for them all. Many suffer in many different ways. In Pakistan, in India, in Mexico, many different countries, Christians suffer and we suffer with them. We pray for them because we are part of the same family. Nehemiah responds to the attacks of those who hate the work of restoration. That hate the advance of the kingdom. With the God of heaven will prosper us. God's people. God will bring his people the success. God is what is needed We've talked about what is needed for the work. We've talked about study. We've talked about uh, service. We've talked about all these different things. But it's really God is needed. God is needed. So he responds in faith and confidence in that God. The God of heaven. That he would prosper his people. So trusting in him. It's not just trusting that he is good, righteous, and holy, but he loves us. And he keeps his promises towards his people. His people who turn from their sin and turn to trust in Christ. His people who identify with the body of Christ and join with their suffering. Those people who say, the Lord is my portion. It says here, Nehemiah says to the enemies, the, the Sanballats, as many Sanballats that, that we will face, that they faced in those times. Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab. In verse 20, he says this, at the end of verse 20. But you have no heritage You have no portion. There's another way of translating that. Or right or memorial in Jerusalem. You have no inheritance. You have no part with this. In Psalm 119 verse 51. You are my portion. The exact same Hebrew word as is here translated heritage. You are my portion, O Lord. I have said I would keep your words. These enemies... Do not have any inheritance among God's people. 
They have no part in this. They are showing by their actions, by their opposition, by their words, that they do not belong to this body. What is needed for this work? Their brother, their sister, and Christ. What is needed for this work? Christ. Christ is needed for this work. Christ is needed to strengthen us. Christ is needed when we need to study him. And we need to see him and behold him. The beauty that is Christ in order to enter into this work. What else do we need? In seeing Christ, we're also going to see the beauty of his bride. And we're going to love God's people. And serve. Serve not only Christ as individuals, but but as a body together. One with another. Side by side. Brothers and sisters supporting each other. Helping each other. In solidarity, one with another. So that when we suffer, all the body suffers. When Christ is attacked, we are attacked. Let us apply this, dear friends, to our lives. That we may grow together as a body in Christ. Amen.